There is an incident that I read a long time ago that has had a very profound impact upon my life. It's an incident about a farmer who was a Christian and was very active and regular in his church. But then over a period of time, um, he began to slack off, as uh, sometimes people will do. And finally, he got to the place where he was not attending church at all. After a number of weeks uh, of missing him, his pastor became concerned about him, and so he went to visit this farmer. It was a cold time of the year, and when he arrived, uh, the farmer had a nice warm fire going in the fireplace there at the hearth in the farmer's home. Uh, the pastor did not immediately bring up, in fact, he didn't mention at all the fact the farmer hadn't been there in church. He just talked about how he was doing, and they chit-chatted about the normal things of life. And while they sat there, the, the pastor, he, he picked up the fire poker from next to the fireplace. He reached into that fire, and he moved one of the coals way off to the edge of the fire. Well, they continued talking and looking at the fire and watching this coal. And, of course, you know what happened. The coal began to smolder. It got very dim. And finally, like the coals on the screen this morning, it went out all together. Now, the pastor didn't say one word. He didn't have to. That farmer, he got the message. He said to his pastor, he said, Pastor, thanks. He said, I got the point. I'll see you in church next Sunday. And I thought, what a metaphor for you and I as Christians. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are like that live coal. We have been made alive in Jesus Christ. But to remain vibrant, vital, Burning brightly for the Lord, we need each other. And if we uh, come to a place in our life where we withdraw or separate from the church fellowship, we will discover, just like that coal, we are starting to smolder, to grow dim, and we can ultimately burn out. Now today, we are highlighting some of the ministries that our church will be beginning this fall. We'll have a few more in the coming weeks. But what I would like to do this morning in the time that I have is to bring a message about why we need the church and its ministries. I want us to look at a very vital passage in Hebrews chapter 10. It is interesting, one of the ladies' Bible studies is on Hebrews this uh, fall, and one of the great passages in all the Bible on why we need the church is found in Hebrews chapter 10. And I would like you to take your Bibles and turn there with me this morning. I will not be able to share all that I have planned this morning, but I want us to begin together to look at what God says is why we so desperately need the local church and the body of Christ. 
Look with me at Hebrews 10 and let me read for us verses 24 and 25. Listen to what God says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And do this all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's spend a little time here together looking at why it is that God has made every believer a part of the church and why it is that we desperately need one another. I want us to notice, first of all, that he tells us that the church is where you are thought about. Now, as I began studying verse 24 for this message, I discovered something that I did not know about this verse before. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Literally, the first part of this verse says, let us think carefully about one another. That's the literal rendering of the verse. Uh, The word consider that we have in the New International Version here in our Bibles is actually an intensified form of the word for think, and it refers to thoughtful attention, deep concern. In fact, one Bible student has translated this phrase, keep on caring for one another. The word is used only one other time in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, where we are told, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Now think about this for just a moment. Just as we constantly fix our thoughts on Jesus, now he says, here's what the Savior has made available to us in the local body of Christ, the church. We are in a place where people think carefully about us. What he's describing here is the activity of a family. That's what he's talking about. And what do families do? Well, families think about one another. Uh, This Friday, my son um, had his first scrimmage in Ishpeming with the varsity football team at Marquette. And I could not be there because I had to work. I want to tell you, it was killing me. It was killing me. I wanted to be there so desperately to watch him. Uh, By the way, I will not mention this in the second service when he's here, because every time I mention his name, he gets five bucks. And uh, I owe him five bucks. I'm too cheap to pay him ten. So I will mention his name in the first service. But I want to tell you, I was, I was here working, but where do you think my thoughts were? My thoughts were on, how's it going? How's he doing? This is his first experience with the varsity team. And then I heard from my wife, he caught three passes in the scrimmage. And it killed me even more that I couldn't be there. You see, no matter where we are, what we're doing, 
we are constantly thinking about our families because that's what families do. Now, that's what he's saying here. The benefit of being a part of a church is when you are involved in a church, you have people who think about you, and because they think about you, they care for you, and because they care for you, in times of need, they support you. See, one of the worst things in all of the world is to be forgotten. It is to sense that no one cares, that you are alone. And the Lord says, I'm not only giving you a relationship with my Savior, I'm giving you a relationship with people who will care so much about you that they will think about you on a regular basis and they will support you. Let's look at the second reason why we're placed in a church. Secondly, he tells us in this passage, the church is where you are taught about love and good deeds. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, if we were to look at the context here of Hebrews chapter 10, we would notice that the commands in this section are based on the three great Christian virtues, faith, hope, and love. Uh, look back at verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Look at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And now we come to verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Notice the commands all based upon the three cardinal virtues, faith, hope, and love. If we could take time to go back and look at the context of Hebrews chapter 10, we would discover that it is all about the once for all sufficient work of Christ for us upon the cross. That because he died a sufficient Savior with a sufficient sacrifice, God has now fully forgiven us as his children and he has perfectly accepted us. We are accepted in the Beloved One. And now we come here and we say, okay, in spite, in, in, in case what Christ has done for us, now what is the proper response? And here's what the writer to the Hebrews says. Here's the proper response. It is faith, it is hope, and it is love. Why is love the last one? Well, would you say it with me together? You know. Because the greatest of these is love. That's why it's the last one. Now what's interesting here when he tells us that as you're in a church, you are spurring each other on to love and good deeds, the word for spur here seems like a very mild word, but it is actually a very, very aggressive word. In the Greek language, it is the word paroxysmos. We get our English word paroxysm from this word. A paroxysm is a sudden attack or a violent expression. In fact, it is a medical word. If a, a medical doctor sees a patient 
who is having a violent shaking, they call that a paroxysm. It is the exact word for spur here. But here's the interesting thing. The majority of the times this word occurs, it is an intense emotion stimulating someone to get angry. But here it is used in a good sense. It is inciting or stimulating someone to love and then the good deeds that follow. And we have to ask ourselves this question, why in the world would he use such a strong, dynamic word, paroxysm, to spur one another on to love and good deeds here when it is normally used negatively to spur on someone to anger? Let me give you a very important insight here this morning. I think the reason he uses this strong, aggressive word is he is telling us something very, very critical. The most dynamic place that we ever learn about love is within the local church. See, what he's telling us is this. Love is a communal word. We can't learn about love in in isolation or by ourselves. I cannot pick up a book that is about love, read that book, and, and then say when I'm finished with it, I've learned all there is to learn about love. Now I can move on to some other subject. No, love, especially God's love, is learned from other Christians. And so he is giving to us a critical reason why we're in the church, because it is the most dynamic place that we learn about love. I had the privilege when I entered the ministry of being a youth pastor in the church that I grew up in. I'll never forget one day in our church, I'm in a business meeting and I'm a brand new pastor. Uh, There was a man in our church by the name of Jim who uh, had a very short temper. He was a new Christian and something in that meeting made Jim angry. I'll never forget watching him just stand to his feet, speak in a very angry tone, and go outside the church storming out. On the other side of that church meeting that day was uh, one of the most loving men in our entire church. His name was Mr. Boyer. Uh, Mr. Boyer had had polio when he was uh, a young boy, and and so he always walked with a noticeable limp. He was one of the most loving men in our church. As a matter of fact, one time he had a car that he didn't need, and so he just gave it to the car, gave it to the church. When I got ready to go to seminary a few years later, I needed a car. And the church sold me Mr. Boyer's car very, very cheaply, and I took that thing down to Texas And I drove all over Fort Worth and Dallas in that car. Mr. Boyer essentially gave me his car. That's the kind of man that he was. And so immediately when Jim stormed out of the meeting, out in the parking lot, Mr. Boyer went after him to reclaim him. Well, I want you to think about this. That was over 40 years ago. And all these years later, 
It is not so much Jim storming out into the parking lot that I remember as it was Mr. Boyer immediately getting up, limping out into the lobby and out into the parking lot after Jim to reclaim him. That's the thing that I remember the most. You see, it's not unusual for someone to get upset in a meeting and storm out, is it? You ever been to a union meeting? When I was a part of the union, I've seen some men so mad, they squealed out of the parking lot, burning rubber. They were so angry. That's not unusual. What's unusual is to watch somebody go out after them and try to reclaim them. You see, Mr. Boyer had been just like Jim in his younger years. In fact, when I was just a little boy, Mr. Boyer had gotten so mad at our pastor that he yelled at him. And he left our church for many years. But he was in another church where God taught him about love. And now that he was an older man, he was back. And he became one of the most loving men in our congregation. Can you imagine that conversation with Jim that day? As they got out of the parking lot? Jim, I love you. We know that in the church, things don't always go the way that we would like them to go. But Jim, even when we're upset, we have to show respect to others. We have to demonstrate grace. Jim, we love one another because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jim... Even when we don't agree, we still are the family of God. Oh, how I would have loved to listen in to that conversation. Well, Jim came back. He continued on in our church. Now fast forward many, many years down the road. Uh, Just a few years ago, in the space of nine months, we had three members of my family that passed away. There were some people that came to the funeral all three times to comfort us. Jim was one of those men. He came to my dad's funeral. I remember how much his presence encouraged me. Then months later, my my 50-year-old brother-in-law died of kidney disease, and and Jim came again. He didn't even know my brother-in-law. Then 11 weeks later, my mother-in-law died and Jim came again. And I felt so much the love of this man. Now the third time, I saw myself in a man who had learned how to love. Here's what I didn't know. Here's what nobody knew. Jim had mesothelioma from working in a shop. No one knew that. A year after he came, the third time to my mother-in-law's funeral, he suddenly died of mesothelioma. And he's in heaven now. By the way, can you imagine the conversation with Mr. Boyer? Can you? Mr. Boyer, thank you for showing me 
how to love. Thank you for showing me how to love. See, that's why we're in church. There's no other place that we can learn it like we can amongst God's people. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I don't have time this morning for the third reason we're in the church. Let me just give it to you. The church is where you are encouraged during hard times. Look at verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, if you could see my notes this morning, I'm going to drive a truck through this, but I can't. Our time is running thin. I have so much I want to share. Maybe another Sunday. But let's stop together and let's thank the Lord. Father, thank you today for what you have for each one of us who belong to Jesus. And thank you today for not only giving us a relationship with the Heavenly Father, but thank you today for giving us a relationship with each other. Father, thank you that we are called to think about each other like a family does. And Lord, when we think about each other, it causes us to care for each other. And when we care for each other, it causes us to support one another. And then thank you, Lord, that this is a place where we are experiencing a paroxysm on love, a violent shaking, a dynamic expression of the love of God. It's the greatest place in the world where we learn about that love because in the world people storm out and get angry on a regular basis. But in the church, we go after one another. We reclaim each other. We are respectful and gracious. We continue to see each other as family, as brothers and sisters. And we grow to learn what the love of God is all about. So Lord, today, enrich our lives, encourage us with each other, and may we take full advantage of all that your church gives us. And we'll thank you and praise you And all God's people said, Amen.